0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Cup Interviews, brought to you by Cup of Hemlock Theatre. I'm your host for this episode, Ryan Barakovich, and I'm joined by a very interesting group of interviewees. For those who've tuned into our previous episode earlier this week, we just had an interview with Anthony J. Piccioni, who is the playwright and producer of the show One Empire Under God, which is about to premiere in New York City off off-Broadway. Off Um, And today we are joined by some members of the cast who can talk more about the show in depth and their individual characters. So I'm very happy to be joined by all of you. Uh, We're going to begin by just letting you introduce yourselves. Just tell us your name and the name of the character you're playing, and most importantly, what is in your cup. Uh, So Trey, we'll begin with you.
1: Hey, I'm Trey Shields. I'm going to be playing the, the demagogue, Damian Cunningham, and I have in my cup some homemade sweet tea. Beautiful. Okay, next we have Marcus.
2: Hey, my name is Marcus. I'm going to be playing uh, General River Calvin and I have orange juice in my cup. Perfect, thank you. Mary.
3: Hi, my name is Mary Miles. I will be playing President Armani Bacali as well as Senator Jane Harvey. And I am drinking some truly strawberry lemonade hard seltzer mm-hmm. it's Sunday, why not?
0: Very good, uh, Clara.
4: Hi, uh, my name is Clara Tan. I play Vice President Zane Thompson, the true winner of this election, Uh, Stop the Steal, and uh, I have some ginger ale in my cup.
0: Very nice. And Sabrina.
3: Hi, my name is Sabrina Lopez. I am playing Candidate 1, Secretary of State, and Revolutionary 3, and I am drinking green tea in my cup.
0: Beautiful. And if anyone cares, I'm drinking orange pico tea in my classic, The Cup Cup. Hey, that's the show we're on right now. Okay, so let's begin by kind of just hearing a little more about the
1: show. Um, how would you describe One Empire Under God? I think the way that I typically think about it is um, it reminds me a lot of the, the Shakespearean histories um, in the sense of like it sort of follows like the political dynamic of um, like the shifting political dynamics of a country, I would say. Because Act One and Act Two are sort of like separate entities, we go through a little bit of a, of a time jump. Um, so it's, I think, really reminiscent of that skip between like Henry the Part Three, and like Richard the Third. I would say is the the most apt comparison. Um, but in general, I just think it's a play about sort of like it, it's a take on the the American political climate, and in my eyes, what we've been seeing a lot recently in the American political climate. Um, it's a show that deals a lot about like um, political underestimation. I think. Um, you know, we have this candidate who is a uh, who's a populist, who is basically running under this platform of of pro religion. Um, and we have people in the in the current government, the current regime, whatever you want to call it, that um, don't really respect that this is a person who is trying to do this thing. Um, I mean, there's an interview in the show with uh, with Mary, who plays Bacali, um, talking about the the current run for the presidency. And it's like, well, what do you think will happen if he wins? Um, it's like, well, we're not even going to entertain that as a possibility. Uh, and to me, that reminds me a lot of the, the things that have been going on recently in our country. You know, the 2016 election, I think a lot of people looked at that and they they didn't think what happened, what would happen. They didn't want to entertain it as a possibility. Um, January 6th, I think a lot of people looked at that and, you know, they didn't think that that, that was a realistic risk for the country, that we might have, have people trying to actually take action on our capital like that. Um, so to me, it's something that sort of, Takes something that uh, people have been afraid of something that's been in the news a lot recently this underestimation and kind of blows it up to a kind of a, a sci-fi proportion a uh, you know a, a what could happen proportion
0: yeah very well said thank you for that discussion. i don't know if anyone else wants to add anything to that or other thoughts yeah. cool okay so uh i'd like to know just how did each of you become involved in the production did any of you attend uh, general auditions or was there more interesting story. I know, uh, Sabrina and Clara, I believe you had some interesting takes that you maybe wanted to add.
4: Well, um, Sabrina and I were part of the original cast on Zoom, which was a whole process in and of itself. Like, you're out there, you're on backstage, you know, you're trying to find something to entertain yourself. Because like, this is 2020 and ain't nobody got any work to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no paid work, but it's all on Zoom. So you're over there like, hmm, what is this? Oh, shit. This thing calls for a trans character specifically. Ah, I gotta be involved in this. And then you submit your self tape and then they don't get back to you for like three weeks and you're like, oh, forget about that. And then they're like, hey, you got it. And it's like, thanks. It would be nice if you had informed me earlier, but glad to be a part of it. But that was fun. The Zoom process in and of itself was an experience. <laughs> it yeah,
3: was. it really was. I mean, for me, um, very similar to I feel like I was thrown into the production about like three weeks into rehearsal. Like I think I was the last one to join. And same as Clara, like I submitted on backstage it was just messing around on backstage, seeing what will stick, you know? And I got an email and they were like, be in this production. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't even have to send a self date for anything. All right, whatever. And um, so I was in there. And one thing I didn't know when I jumped onto the production was that it was um, in New York, so it was Eastern Time. I lived in Central California, so I it is like 4:30 p.m. and I'm like, I have rehearsal in like two hours. I'm gonna clean my room. I'm gonna clean it back. I'm like going about my day. The stage manager texts me, and he's like, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "Where are you?" <laughs> like we no one. I didn't know. And then like once once we were on the same page, I was. Like, crap i'm so sorry like and i just got on turns out they didn't need me that day but um the like throughout the whole thing like it kind of worked for me because it was 3 p.m my time 6 p.m over here so i was like oh, i just got off for a rehearsal and then i have another rehearsal blah, blah, blah. but um but no like doing the whole thing over zoom it for me i was already kind of seasoned and doing um online productions because I had started a a virtual theater company with a few friends and we'd already done a couple productions by that point. So like it was just another Tuesday for me, really. But like it was still an interesting process, meeting new people, getting with this whole new production and everything. But um, I had a really great time doing it personally. Mm -hmm.
0: That's great. Yeah, it's always kind of interesting with the Zoom theater, how people can be coming in from all over the world or all over the country and it brings a lot of people together but also creates new challenges about uh, you everybody needs multiple clocks like they have in airports to know uh, of <laughs> everything pretty and much on the same page but yeah it's, it's it awesome. is exhausting
4: I tell you that much you're yeah. putting all of your energy out into the screen and nothing's coming back you know? mm-hmm. like, especially you know, you with the lag too that, and it's like, <laughs> <yes>. that
3: <laughs> oh, lag yeah, is that lag is an energy killer like You wouldn't believe it's horrible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can imagine it would be, and it often is. Like even just in a casual Zoom conversation, I can only imagine when you're doing a Zoom play and you need to react to people in real time, especially when there's comedic timing or just interesting timing to the show that is reliant on. It kind
3: of it it kind of feels like (laughs) oh my god, fight scene, just kind of like this. You die. You just throw yourself down.
1: Yeah. I
3: had several um, I played different characters on Zoom than I did in our production and I had multiple death scenes so it's just like how quick can I hit the stop report, this, the, the the stop video button but for a second like I miss it of course because I'm trying to die on camera so I'm like sitting here for a second looking for the looking for the button um, but Straight no man and just comes
1: up from the floor like <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know that was on there, I mean, um, I was one of the Imperial troopers, so I died a lot. Clara wasn't. But like... Um, I, was,
4: I was one. I was one. You were one.
3: Oh, I remember yeah. you were one. Yeah. Um, but it, I just remember because like with the jokes thing, it feels like, you know, when you're out with your friends and you tell a joke and no one laughs. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly what the lag was like. It was just like, like, boom, nothing. And then the scene just kind of falls sideways, I guess. Yeah. So i be thankful that live theater is back.
0: Yes, Ooh, oh my god, yes, Audience and that we're
4: all vaccinated. Very important, very yes. important.
0: If anyone watching is not yet vaccinated, look at this exciting bunch of actors who can all vouch for its advocacy and the excitement of returning <laughs> to live theater. Consider
3: Trying that <laughs> <Yay>.
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Okay, so it's exciting to have gone from this journey to, from the digital space and now returning into the theatrical space. Uh, any specific, I know we've talked about some of the challenges of Zoom, but anything interesting to report about this return and the adapting the show, especially for those of you who were in the previous version of what challenges and considerations came up in making this piece work in the physical space after it had already been digital?
4: Well, when I came in late because of some scheduling conflicts, so, but when I came in for the first rehearsal that I was scheduled for, like I stepped into the room and it's, it's a bog standard, like, you know, rehearsal room, concrete walls, nothing special. But I'm in that room and I'm like,
3: I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> it like- was one of those things for me where it's like, it, I mean, like, I'm sure everyone here can relate. Like, we all missed being on stage, like, in person. And we talked about this um, my second rehearsal. Um, all of us, like, when you're in the acting world, like, you you go through, especially, like, at, at my point, like, I'm still kind of early in. So, what like, you, performances are few and far between. So, my last production was in December of 2019, so even after a whole pandemic, and then that time between before the pandemic started, like I hadn't been on stage at all. So it just felt like so refreshing and so like exhilarating. There was so much energy just bouncing off of the walls, even if it was just a cylinder block of a, of a space. Like there was just we all had so much energy. We all felt like... um we all, we, it just felt like, you, you just, I'm sorry, <laughs> you just feel like the amount of pent up energy that all of us had from being locked inside or not doing productions and that kind of thing. Like, that's what at least what it felt like for were in rehearsal.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's so nice to hear, like, it's really exciting that things are able to reopen, especially like something like this that had in its infancy was uh, catered towards Zoom and had to grapple with all of those special challenges to now, uh, really, bringing it back to the physical space is exciting, and obviously, yeah, these great feelings of relief of just being back in it, and the energy that comes with that is always a great pleasure. So, I'd like to now kind of dig deeper into each of your characters because I'm sure you all have a lot to say about the journeys you've been on with these people. Uh, so, I just kind of want to ask each of you: Oh, tell us a little more about your your individual characters, and what has it been like to? To inhabit these roles. Uh, Trey, we'll start with you for this one.
1: Yeah. Um, I've mentioned a little bit about my character, but I play uh, Damien, who's sort of like this um, like populist, pro-religion, starts out as, as just kind of generally pro-religion, like anti-atheist um, talk show host. Um, it's called the Virtue Cast in the show, the idea, like a virtual podcast sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually just sort of like devolves into this like strictly pro-Christian um, like demagogue, populist leader. Uh, and for me, it's like, I think looking at a character like this, there are a lot of traps you can fall into as an actor. Um, I think you can look at a character like this and be like, oh, like they're evil. They're a liar. They're a bad politician. And that's what I'm going to do with them. But I don't think that's realistic. Um, I, I don't think people like that, um, that, you know, run a campaign under hate or or a very particular, you know, push a, a demographic of people to do a thing. I don't think that they think they're bad people. You know, I think they're on a very uh, pro sort of um, righteous mission. And that's what I think Damien thinks he's on. He's on this very righteous mission from God to to restore faith um, in the country, to to give people who are religious an ability to, to practice their religion and feel like that they can do that freely. Um, so I think a- avoiding that trap has been really interesting for me. Like, how do I not just make this like, you know, an evil guy who's trying to take over the country, but really give life into the fact that he's a real person who believes he's doing a great thing um, and he's putting the energy in because he would give his life for this cause. And he thinks that he's, he's furthering a a grand mission. Um, So that's, that's what my mind has been around lately with the character. Yeah. There's always a great challenge to
0: how to humanize a character who you just fundamentally disagree with who like, despite being the protagonist, at least in the first half of the play is quite literally the villain from a certain point of view or arguably the villain. Have you taken any inspiration from actual, political or punditry figures in your characterization of this role? I don't know if Trump is maybe a little too far or people like Alex Jones or Tucker Carlson maybe were willing um, Alex Jones
1: is one that's come up a lot for me just because, you know, the nature of him running like a talking head show like this is so, um, you know, it's impossible not to think of the guy. Mm-hmm. I, I've definitely tried to not push myself too far into that corner, though, just because I, I think that's a little bit too absurd mm-hmm. um, for me to realistically grasp. I uh, personally, I'm from Montana, which is like kind of, you know, the most middle of the country that you can get in terms of like political alignment and rhetoric. So for me, it's been a lot of like sort of taking upon the the, the sort of talking points that I heard, like my friends talking about growing up, uh, the things that I heard, like talking around their dinner tables growing up. And the way that people think about those issues, I think, has been really influential on uh, how I've approached this character. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily like one political figure. Okay, fair
2: enough.
0: Uh, Marcus, how about you? Who's your character, General Calvin?
2: Yes. So my character is General Calvin, who's really trying to um shift the world back from a kind of extreme standpoint back to something that is uh more equitable for 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 everyone not to not to give too many spoilers away. But um um he's really trying to to reset the, the, the political status quo and um kind of instilling Within the, um, you know, the group of people around him and, and the kind of rebel alliance that's around him, really instilling them with the core values that they need to get back to. So humanity, empathy, um, all the things, of course, we, we would like to see in <laughs> in our world, and just um, really serving as the rallying call for people to get back to that norm, and um, also showing at times the the sacrifice that's that's needed to get back to those norms. You know, it's no easy task, and Everybody has to lend their part because it's um, ultimately something that can only be achieved if everyone comes together and unites um, with one common goal. And he really kind of serves as like the lightning rod and the focal point for for that energy um, in terms of, of kind of rewriting rewriting the political political landscape that exists during during the time of the play. So it's been fun, and you know, it's a it's a heavily um, uh, a role that's heavily based around you know kind of military culture as well so that's been fun to get into um my dad formerly was like in the marines so it's kind of like something that i could like, vicariously kind of get a channel through me and I talk to him about it and stuff like that so it's it's a uh, definitely exciting uh, challenge um and uh you know just the the passion and energy that the character has is something that's really inspiring and it's been inspiring me in my real life so it's it's been great to kind of dive into it and uh yeah play around
0: oh, that's
4: amazing, and
2: yeah, I kind of
0: at least reading the character on the page, I got the sense that perhaps we' have a similar problem to what Trey has, but maybe in the opposite direction that this character is like this great paragon of like virtue and greatness that he's the one you can really like sink your teeth into, but that could also be difficult to find like the depth and the humanity of when they maybe do seem to be like oh just perfect in every way so have you had any challenges in finding those depths
2: for yourself yes and that's that's an on that's an ongoing thing that i'm discovering um because yes like the the truth is everybody's flawed so you know no matter how a, a character is painted on one extreme or the other it's it adds more depth of course if you can just different elements to include all along the spectrum of morality, ethics, et cetera. So it's been an interesting challenge, definitely. Um, definitely, because um, you know, he he is a hero, if I if I could use that term, but um, but as all people has his flaws. So yeah, finding that and adding nuances and depths is is definitely been an interesting challenge, certainly. So it's and it's one I'm continually exploring, but you know, excited to explore as well. So
0: Fantastic. Okay, Mary, you're up next. Let's hear about your characters.
3: Right, so the first character I'm playing is uh, President Armani Bacali, And she, at the start of the show, is the current president. And um, then the end of her two terms is up, and so she's endorsing her vice president, Zane Thompson, who Clara's playing. And she's, I would say... She is overly optimistic about the Democratic Party because, like Trey had mentioned earlier, there's a scene where she's being interviewed where she says that uh, the Republican candidate doesn't stand a chance. There's no way they're going to be president. And I feel like it's that, I do not say naivety, but she's just so so optimistic that the democratic is going to pull together and her whole agenda is progressive humanism so she thinks that everybody else thinks that the way she does but really in the interview they say things like you know your uh, approval rating is at an all-time low and you know do you think anything's going to get done while you're still in office and she's like yeah you know people will join together and i feel like she's just a little too optimistic for the times um and then the uh, second character is Senator Jane Harvey, who is a 180 from the president because she is working for Trey's character, the uh, the Republican candidate. Um, but she's kind of his sounding board on the more, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe that's going a little too far. Maybe you shouldn't be, you know, hurdling, not hurling, hurting people together and like, making all these religious statements and stuff like that. So it's, it's two very different characters. Um, so I'm, I'm excited because they're also like back to back, like there's a major quick change there. Mm-hmm. So right, practically be, speaking,
0: that's definitely a challenge. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting going from one side to the other and I'm excited. It, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I like it, playing a president. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been yes. watching like presidential speeches and, Mostly Hillary, not Obama. I know the character's kind of based on Obama, but I feel like Hillary is the more Mm -hmm. relatable of the two, for me, personally.
0: For sure. And it's certainly Mm -hmm. set in that distant future where hopefully we'll have had many female and preferably non-binary presidents by the time. Although that becomes a plot point in the show, which we will talk about shortly, but... Yeah, do you find, because you mentioned how these characters, at least ideologically, are very different from each other, both of them, um, but then at the same time, they kind of both represent this, I don't know if voice of reason is the the right word, but they both kind of show the, I guess, ideologically correct position in their own different way, even if one of them is coming from the democratic side and the other, well, obviously from this fundamentalist Christian perspective, but still being a bit of a moral compass within that subplot. Did you find, like, these two voices maybe gelled in a certain way? Or did you really have to switch your brain into two different directions to play them?
3: Not really, because I feel like Harvey, like, she's... Even though she is, like, a fundamental Christian and, like, wants the religious aspects to go into politics, she doesn't want it to be so heavy-handed. And she doesn't want... Trey's character to, you know, become a dictator in any way. She just, you know, she just wants good Christian family values back, you know, so she's not quite so heavy handed. Um, So, yeah, I think she's got more in common with Macaulay than um, you would assume from them being on different sides of the political line, I guess. Yeah.
0: But then it's kind of interesting this maybe thematic parallel that is being drawn by having you double cast as both of them so thanks for uh, delving into that a little bit uh Clara, let's hear about vice president zane thompson
4: yes uh as as you know the one who should have won the election mm-hmm. i stand by that it was rigged you know they stole this election it was terrible no i'm kidding mm-hmm. but um yeah i got to have a long chat with anthony about her actually and uh you know because I was trying to understand what his perspective was when he wrote the character and when he came up with her, and so Anthony's out here telling me like, oh, you know, she's she's an activist before um, she was an a- activist. She ended up joining with um, President Bakali, like not necessarily as like a marriage of convenience, but you know, optically speaking, it's nice to have someone that's a little more left than you who is out there doing like on the ground work well like as i understand like he told me that he envisioned the kali as being more of a career politician and uh it's it's been an interesting experience because someone who is an activist i think especially like no matter what time you live in you're extremely aware of the political climate surrounding you and of the material conditions and the history that led up to that point which um has been an interesting challenge for me to play because in the in the text of the script zane thompson is a little bit uh she's she's not as hard-hitting as you might expect someone who is an activist to be you know she's not out there throwing shoes at like the Republican candidate or anything like that, you know what I mean? She's she's not like out uh, she's not like out there being more brutal with her words, and you know when you compare that to what you hear from activists today and you know, activists of the past, they have always been the people who are on like the vanguard of um, political change, shall we say? So it's it's been an interesting balancing act. For sure. and you know, I I appreciate that. Um, well, that uh, Anthony wrote a trans character into this play. Um, specifically since I'm playing her, the character is a trans woman in this particular iteration of the play, and uh, we got to have some we got to have some fun conversations about like you know how how she might speak and how she would carry herself because I personally didn't want her to come across as I'm not sure how online all of you guys are, like if you're plugged into like the Internet Culture Wars or anything like that. But every few months or so, like you get you get this video from someone filming, usually a trans woman, who gets very annoyed with someone for misgendering her and she's like, Oh, why aren't you gonna use my pronouns? And then like, um, the punchline is that she still looks like a guy supposedly so you know uh we, we we got to have a few talks about how to ensure that she doesn't come across like that you know because as a politician you would be very concerned with optics and strength and like in that whole debate scene you know, i have a debate with um and we we had a discussion about ensuring that it seemed like we were on equal footing as opposed to like one fully dominating over the other, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, like reading that debate scene, I very much got the sense that um, for for Vice President Thompson, like the gender is just a non-issue. It's like, I'm here, I have my policy, my agenda, and it's Damien who's really being like, aha, but my religious constituents are not happy about this. And it's, yeah, hopefully again, by the time we get to to, you know 400 years in the future these things will no longer still be as prevalent in politics but yeah it's certainly an interesting uh, cautionary tale that I think we're presented with here and I really appreciate what everything you've said here about the way you've tried to handle this character and play to these different like activist politician sort of dynamics that really have to be taken into consideration in the way this character is played thank you for oh. all that I mean, like you see, like Bernie Sanders,
4: right? Every time he gets in front of a reporter, every time he gets in front of a camera,
2: he's like, okay, we're going to talk about expanding Medicare for seniors. That's what we're going to do.
0: You know, like that's great impression, I must say. That's a pretty good word. Yeah.
4: (laughs) People try to like there was this one whole article in The New York Times where Maureen Dowd is like, hey, what do you think of uh, Free Britney? And he's like, don't care. Not interested. Let's do it. We're here to talk policy. And you know, that's that's what I appreciate, you know. That's what you want in a politician, someone who actually cares about the nuts and bolts of getting things done and steers away from the cultural war issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. okay, Sabrina, last but not least, you have a bit of a laundry list of ensemble roles. Let's hear about <laughs> all of those.
3: Yeah, um I I listed them out because I knew it, mm-hmm. it, my thoughts would get all jumbled together. Um the first uh, character I play is called Candidate One and she is um, running against Damien Thompson in the primary. And um, my character has like a little, like makes little Snyder marks, but she's the, uh, the phrase that, that I think of when I think of this character is when George Bush is running for president and everyone's like, oh, you could have a beer with him. Mm-hmm. Like, she's trying to be that kind of I'm so personable like, um, like, like I'm your best friend. I want, like, I can joke around with you. I can have fun here, but really she does lean towards the left and she is more uh, of a liberal character. Um, but she makes, she's like, I guess she's like, (laughs) like Damien Thompson, like, Damien, sorry Damien Cunningham's like worst enemy when it comes to how she approaches religion because she just kind of approaches it like oh yeah well me and god had sex so you know what like like that kind of um um like energy you know what i mean um so when it comes to her i kind of approach her as just being very cavalier and having just like this like i'm she knows that she's gonna get elected even though she doesn't uh but she's just trying to like you know what here to have I'm, I'm here because I have like these policies I have these ideals but also like I want the people to trust me so I'm going to go for go towards the I could get a drink with you want to get a drink tomorrow like that kind of that kind of personality um my second character is um the secretary of state um so after Damien Cunningham becomes president he's uh, I don't want to say what he does but kind of like um, Harvey's character, we're all in the room kind of like, hey, you want to do this thing that's horrible for the global politics? Um, don't. Um, and then just, you know, fuck us. Sorry. It just gets sent out of the room, you know. But it's like my, it, the way I kind of approach it is um, I'm a female cabinet leader in a room with a, like a, a white supremacist president. So kind of how would I approach this being a woman? It, am I going to be forward and straight out like I know this character can be? Or am I going to pull back because I am a woman? So dancing that line of how do I approach the president, which just knowing the setbacks that I have. And also I am a person of color as well. So like it's a lot working against me with this president. So that, that kind of energy. But my favorite character that I play is Revolutionary 3 because I have um, I have her listed as a, like, a pessimistic revolutionary, because every time she opens her mouth, she's saying, no, we can't do that. No, we can't. No, we can't go back to save this person because we're going to get caught. And it's, I kind of see that as like a more realistic character because my character is kind of voicing what are the other revolutionaries are thinking when it comes to taking really big risks with the steps that we're going to take towards our goal. I don't want to spoil anything. But um, a lot of times I find myself in positions where do I agree with general Calvin? Do I disagree? What am I going to do about that? If I do agree, what am I going to do about that? Um, A lot of times my point, my points of ego go against the opinions of our heroine as well. So it really makes you think about how I feel about a lot of the people in the room. Do I like this person? Do I dislike this person? Or what are my relationship to everybody here because you know, other revolutionaries and i we're all cool but this girl comes in and we're like who the hell is this so it's that i just see her as a very cautious person because she comes across a lot of situations where she is the one that everyone doesn't want like she has an opinion in the audience says i don't want to go with that because i want to go with what the heroine say." so yeah, those are my characters.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting you describing all of them. But it sounds like the common thread between them is you're a voice of opposition in every single
3: context
0: that is yeah, presidential it, debate. Be, yeah, you're whether this,
3: it be left or right, mm-hmm. like it, exactly. Like, um, I guess I am the voice of opposition in every scene that I'm in. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a um, it's it's a really interesting thing because like it helps me kind of delve deeper into my character and how I actually see things versus how my character actually sees things and it's it's um it's a journey and then also how how these characters different as well and you know ensemble members roles are so much fun in my
0: opinion of course and you get to play around with different like interpretations and voices and perspectives with them And yeah, and especially if you are, like, representing opposition in all of these contexts, I could see very much you are what you're the catalyst for the drama, you are creating the conflicts that the other, like, you know, more lead characters, so to speak, have to bounce off of and maybe adapt to and find ways to respond to and propel the plot forward accordingly. So, Oh, yeah. Might feel like a thankless role, but you're the backbone, perhaps, of the
3: entire endeavor. (laughs) I enjoy it. (laughs) Glad. Um,
4: uh, if I could just jump on a point that Sabrina raised earlier, something that uh, I wanted to say that I forgot, and now I remember, so thank you, Sabrina, but um, we have, there are three women currently in this interview, and I'm not sure if you guys would agree with me, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no, but like, there seems to be a certain expectation on how women politicians Mm -hmm. specifically are supposed to comport themselves. Whether in public or like during during a debate or, you know, even when you're speaking with your boss in private, like it seems to be a common thread that all of the characters have had to navigate in some way or another, like either being talked down to or condescended to or being expected to uh, pull back your what you actually want in order to let the other person feel like they're a little bit smarter than you.
3: You kind of have to manipulate your way through that because it's like, um, it was like I said for the secretary of state, like um, you, you kind of have to maneuver how like you want, you want one thing, you want this thing. I want the president to not do this thing. So me being POC, me being a woman, how am I going to appeal to his interests so that he actually doesn't do the thing that he's thinking about doing? And it's, it's, it's a dance, really, just trying to try figure out what's too much, what's too little in that kind of situation and um, how you're actually going to achieve your goal. That's the it's way a, I
0: look at it. It's an interesting point that, Clara, you've brought up here, and maybe Mary, I'll toss the question to you. Do you feel like playing these female politicians, you integrated any of that gender dynamic into the way you play the game with your male, male counterparts in politics?
3: I would say with Harvey, yes, the senator who's uh, working for a uh, Cunningham Trace character. Um, definitely I would have to say that she has to take on that more female say be careful what she says around him, you know, don't upset anybody. She gets sent out of the room at one point, even though she's making very valid points, but he just doesn't want to listen to her, so he gets sent out of the ro- she gets sent out of the room. With bacali not quite so much because she is already elected president. Um, there is the interview scene where the interviewer is trying to get a rise out of her by, um, you know, stating how low her approval rating is and things like that. And I feel like any president other than Trump wouldn't want to let the interviewer get to them. They would want to have that state of calm, state of, I. I've made my decisions. These are what I believe. You're not going to get a rise out of me. I feel like that's kind of gender neutral. I feel like any president wouldn't want to show their weakness that way. Um, so yeah, I'd say for Harvey, the, the gender dynamic does play a part, but for Bacali, not quite as much, just because she's already elected president and she like she can go on. She went, she goes on like a little mini tirade about technology, but I feel like any president would do that, male or female. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there have certainly something. I like you mentioned that you your inspiration for the character was more than anything Hillary Clinton, and you could totally picture had she won the election that that would very much be her approach to, whether or not it's pushing forward her agenda or just the way she would handle interviews or did and still does handle interviews to this day. So yeah, seems very reasonable. We are kind of approaching the end of the list of questions I came in with. I don't know if any of you have last thoughts about your characters or the play before we wrap up.
3: No?
0: Okay. Well, One Empire Under God opens on November 11th and runs until the 21st. Where can people buy tickets and follow the show for updates?
4: They're on Instagram, and everything is on the Instagram bio, including the link where you can click on it to buy tickets. Yeah, so it's at one empire under God. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, I know. No spaces, no dots, no dashes. So
0: follow that along. And before we sign off, I'd like to give each of you a chance to plug your own personal social media handles or websites or perhaps other projects that you have on the horizon. We've been going in a pretty standard order for this, so let's reverse that order. Sabrina, why don't you go first?
3: Uh, my Instagram is Sabrina underscore m a e twenty one. Um, I'm mostly active professionally through there, so if you want to give me a follow, see so what's up. That'd be cool. So I follow back. <laughs> Clara.
4: Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at actual underscore Clara. It is currently locked down for reasons but you know if you're interested in following me send me a dm and i'll be like oh yeah sure you're you're one of the people from listen to that podcast amazing all right <laughs>
0: wonderful uh mary
3: uh yeah you can follow me on instagram at mk miles m-i-l-e-s two three one six and it's just your generic instagram <laughs> perfect <laughs> We've pictures you. of my dog at
4: it. Everybody loves seeing dog <laughs> pictures.
3: It's great. <laughs> Bring
2: Marcus. up for a rehearsal next time. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, yeah, no, I, I put all my updates on Instagram, so that's probably the easiest way to keep in touch and um, reach out. So, yeah, my Instagram handle is um, at uh, MarcusRs.x M-A-R-C-U-S R-S.x Perfect. And Trey, finish us
1: off. Yeah, same with me. Instagram, uh, you can follow me at your 11 yert Y-E-R-T-1-1. Or if you want to w- visit my website, uh, you can go to tracy.com T-R-E-Y-S-H-I-E. Perfect. Well, thank you all for
0: joining me very much. I am, unfortunately, I'm not in the New York area, so I will be tuning into the show through this lovely live stream option that is available. And I encourage anyone of our listeners who can attend live, do so, or if you are not geographically positioned to do so, tune into the live stream version of it. And yeah, looking forward to the show. Thank you all so much for joining me. Uh, anyone interested in following Cup of Hemlock Theatre, we are COH Theatre on all platforms. And yeah, tune in for more great theatre-related content. Take care, everyone.
3: Thank you. Thanks
0: you.